Welcome to Lineage Speaks, the podcast, an anthology series of women sharing the stories of how they carry the torch for future generations. I'm Martelena Don Terpel, your host, and today, sharing her chapter, we have Annalisa Valerie. Annalisa is a teen youth advocate, an intuitive activation coach, and the founder and president of Causing Legacy. Through her service as a CSA, court-appointed special advocate for children and teens in the Los Angeles County foster care system, as well as her relationships with her elders and her own healing journey, Annalisa was inspired to serve BIPOC teens and youth on a larger scale and be a bridge for intergenerational connections. Through Causing Legacy, she facilitates experiences that honors the elders' wisdom and contributes to teens and youth by providing them tools, resources, and support to heal, navigate the inner journey, and discover who they are in the world. Annalisa has also been featured in the Turning Season podcast. Annalisa Valerie, Gifts Wrapped in Sandpaper, Chapter 4. The wound is the place where the light enters you. A quote from Rumi. When people see me, they see a woman who is pure love, joy, and connection. I am an entrepreneur, a career woman, a teacher, and an intuitive energy healer who has a powerful presence in the world, serving her community, a fierce work ethic, and loves her family dearly. A large part of who I am comes from my maternal grandmother, who I affectionately called Granny. Granny's love and devotion to our family's success was unwavering, fierce, and pure love. What I know now about Granny is that she loved me unconditionally. She saw the best in me even when I didn't see it in myself, and she only wanted the absolute best for me. Nothing less. Granny had a vision of me thriving, and she provided a solid foundation for me when I didn't even know I needed it. She has been a guiding force throughout my life, and from the spirit realm, she continues to be. But it wasn't always this way. The summer before my ninth birthday, my mom, my little sister, and I went to live with Granny and Poppy shortly after my parents divorced. My world was turned upside down. It was ever-changing, shifting, and morphing right before my eyes. In what felt like the blink of an eye, we left my dad behind in Georgia and moved to New Jersey, where Granny and Poppy lived. At that time, life was moving so fast, I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. Nothing felt like solid ground for me to stand on. I had witnessed one of the last blowout arguments my parents would ever have. It got so intense that it escalated to mom yelling at me to run to the neighbors to call the police. As quickly as my parents' argument had started, it stopped just before I grabbed the doorknob of the carport door leading to outside. That moment remains frozen in my memory. Similar results. After some time living with Granny and Poppy, our communication with my dad started to dwindle and the cards for birthdays and holidays stopped coming. 
The sadness only deepened, but that didn't mean life stopped. Life was still happening all around me. My grades started to slip and life became an empty performance. I got tired of playing pretend. Granny's critiques of my performance and how I was showing up never took a vacation. It was constant. When I mustered up the energy to give my best to an activity or a task, or even managed to pull my grades up, Granny's feedback was the same. She focused on what I didn't do, what looked awful, what was left sloppy, what needed to be redone, or simply what she didn't like. I gave up, trying to please her and gave up performing. I felt alone and disconnected as I navigated my inner journey of sadness and pain. It seemed nothing I did was ever good enough. There was so much focus on my performance in the world. Be nice, mind your manners, get good grades, be polite, act it ladylike, take neat notes, do your homework, clean your room, help your mom, the list goes on. My inner world was filled to capacity with so many conflicting emotions yet there was little to no attention paid to any of it. It appeared to only matter how well I could pretend that all was well, how well I could perform. Then came my high school graduation. I reluctantly and begrudgingly invited Granny and Poppy because mom said I had to, ugh. Although I had hoped for maybe one night we could all celebrate me and it could be good. There was also another part of me that knew it may be more of the same. Graduation day came and I was so excited. Finally, I finished the shenanigans they call school and I could start studying the things that I was actually interested in. At that time, we lived in Pennsylvania and Granny and Poppy had arrived that morning while I was getting ready. I left the house shortly after they arrived with just enough time to say hello and see you later. I felt like I was skipping to my high school graduation, even though I was driving, excited to complete this milestone. The music began to play and I walked out with my fellow graduates onto the grass, beaming with pride. When I sat down, I couldn't see my family in the stands. I thought nothing of it, just focused on the ceremony and listening for my name to be called. Graduation ceremony came and went, but when the ceremony was over, I looked around to see everyone else with their family, and yet I couldn't find mine. Who I did find was my dear friend, Steve. We stood for a moment waiting for mom, my little sister, granny, and poppy. But after everyone started to clear out, I then decided, eh, we should just head back and meet them at the car. I found the car and as I excitedly began to ask my mom if I could go and hang out with friends to celebrate tonight, I noticed the look of upset in her face. I didn't let it bother me because I wasn't about to let whatever happened get me down. She asked that we meet them back at the house and so I agreed. When Steve and I arrived back at the house, I heard fussing from outside. Mostly Granny's voice. I unlocked the door and began to walk upstairs and all I heard Granny say is, I'm not proud of her. I'm not proud of her. This couldn't be happening, not today of all days. She then went on to list out 
the reasons she is not proud of me. At first, I wasn't sure who she was talking about. The moment it all sank in that she was referring to me, the tears began to stream down my face. I looked at my mom wanting her to speak up and say something, anything, to reaffirm that I had just completed another milestone in my life. She looked at me and said, just go, get changed, and you can go with your friends. As I turned to head back to my room to change, Steve was behind me. My five foot three inch grandmother then came right in his face and asked, are you proud of her? Steve replied, yes, I am very proud of her. Granny didn't skip a beat and replied, well, I am not. She continued her rant as I frantically changed clothes and rushed back to the front room. Mom rushed us out of the house and the moment we sat in Steve's little green Fiat, I broke down in tears. Why was she not proud of me? Did I not just graduate high school? Did I not just complete my first major milestone in my teen life? From that day forward, I swore I would never go out of my way to please her again. I would be cordial and even that had its limits. The anger I had towards my grandmother for the way she treated me growing up then began to fester and resentment began to grow. What did I ever do to this woman to be treated this way? I threw myself into all of the jobs that I had at the time, usually at least two. I ensured that when she planned to visit, I planned to work 12 hour days. On holidays, I preferred to be anywhere she wasn't going to be. And if I had to be, I steered clear of being caught in one-on-one -on -one conversation with her. Although college graduation went much better with Granny and Poppy present, I still resented Granny and stuck to my plan to steer clear. As Granny and Poppy aged, Mom moved in to care for them in their home. Mom wasn't great at answering her cell phone, so when I wanted to speak with her, sometimes I reluctantly had to call Granny's house phone. This particular day, Mom wasn't answering her cell phone after numerous attempts. So I called Granny's house phone and to my surprise, Granny picked up the phone. It was going to take Mom some time to get to the phone, giving Granny and I a moment to chat. We started with small talk about work, life, and you know, the wealthy young man, the one Granny had a vision of in her mind as my husband. As our chat was coming to a close, she paused. She said, I love you. And I returned her sentiments thinking that was the end of the conversation. Then she paused and repeated, I love you, with greater emphasis as though I hadn't heard her the first time. Maybe I didn't. I remember looking at the phone wondering, is this my grandmother? I remember saying, yes, Granny, I know you love me. I love you too. It felt as though in that brief moment, she really wanted me to get how much she loved me, like I had never heard her before. Finally, mom got to the phone. She and I spoke for several minutes thereafter, but once we completed our call, I stopped whatever multitasking I may have been doing at that time. 
I replayed that moment that I just had with Granny over and over in my mind. Did I just have a loving moment with Granny? Hmm, that was odd. This was the second moment where I felt the light enter through an old wound. Fast forward to November, two months before Granny's 90th birthday. Mom informed me that Granny had been shifted to hospice care for comfort. I was preparing to travel abroad, taking some time for some well-deserved self-care. While I was away, in my introspections, my relationship with Granny came up for me. The emotionally charged resentment I still was holding onto bubbled up for me to let go. It was calling to be released from my heart. I sat with a few questions. What if the story I was telling myself was not true? What if Granny were a human being creating life for herself, her family, and others in the best way she knew how, demanding excellence at every turn? What if this tireless demand for excellence was training and development for a larger purpose? Would I resent my teacher for the greatest gift she gave me? Could I let go of the hurt I experienced while honoring the gold she gifted me? The message I received was, when we come into this world, our family is not given an instruction manual or a how-to guide on the best way to raise us. They use what they know to raise us. The elders see what's missing, and although they know what is to be planted, there is no manual or guide to show them how to plant it. So they do the best they can with the knowledge they have to ensure the seeds are planted. Sometimes the scars left feel like thorns, and it is up to us to choose to release the thorns and appreciate the beauty of the rose blossoming. Wilma Francis, AKA Granny, was an only child whose mother demanded excellence at every turn and taught her the very seeds she planted in me. Never say you can't. You can do anything you put your mind to. Don't do things just because others are. Think for yourself and make your own choices. Don't let others change who you are do what you know is right always. Deliver your best always, even when you think no one is watching or you are just practicing. Always give your best. Take pride in your appearance and everything you do. Go for the things you really want. Through my healing journey, I discovered that all the seeds that Granny had planted contributed to the woman that I am today. Although the tilling of the soil that happened throughout my youth was gruff, the solid foundation she laid created the proper conditions for the seeds she planted to come into full bloom as me. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us if you found this podcast to be helpful in your journey. If you would like to experience more of the other women who contributed to this series, you can purchase a digital or printed copy of Lineage Speaks on Amazon.com. All proceeds go to elamugirls.com, a nonprofit organization 
giving young girls aged 14 through 18 in Kenya a choice, a voice, and a bank account. Saving girls in Kenya from genital mutilization, sex tourism, or becoming a child bride and changing their lineage story. Once again, thank you for listening. And remember, you get to write your own story, how it connects you to the stories of the past and how you guide the stories of the future. Until the next episode, honor the light within you and let it guide your way on.